All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast after a wonderful Game 4 victory behind Jason Tatum and the Celtics. I'm here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. I'm your host, Patrick Lounsbury. How are we feeling today, Lucas, um, with the series now being tied? I definitely feel a lot better than I did after the first half of Game 3, that's for sure. But the Celtics respond in a big way. Most notably, Jason Tatum responding with a uh, 31-point great performance after he kind of dropped a dud in Game 3. So, Pat, I feel great. You know, I wasn't sure how I should feel before the game, but the Celtics proved that it's always good to have utmost confidence in them following a loss because we haven't lost two games in a row since February. Yeah, like I mentioned that on the last podcast, that this team just doesn't lose two games in a row, man. It just It's very rare that it happens, and – um, the big reason for it, Ime Udoku is just his ability to make adjustments and get the team prepared to be bounced back has just been phenomenal, especially throughout their stretch of, of good games. And seeing that the Celtics are had their back against the wall, man, they always seem to come up. And Jason Tatum, like normal, you know, has a bad game. He always responds, man, always. It's almost like a guarantee. It's like almost like. You could just mark it in. You just bet that every time. Yep, just Tim's going to hit his over tonight because he didn't play well the game prior. And I thought Jason Tatum was surgical in this game, man. Dude, he was everywhere. He was hitting the mid-range, hitting some tough shots over defenders. Um, his ability just to defend as well. It was just a great performance from uh, the leader of our team. Yeah, always good to see your best player bounce back after a bad game. And that's exactly what Jason did. I mean, he was more engaged. He was getting to his spots. He wasn't, you know, he didn't shoot well from three, but he shot well from everywhere else. He got inside the paint. He got to the line, played great defense, made some amazing passes in this game. And uh, didn't really, he took care of the ball a lot better. So, you know, can't ask for much more out of Jason Tatum in game four. And I'm glad he delivered because our offense wasn't necessarily humming. You know, I think our offense was good here, but I think Jason helped carry us for a while. And it was really our defense that, uh, you know, enabled the Celtics to get this win. I don't know if you agree, Pat, but that was definitely my takeaway. No, I think Jalen uh, Jalen played pretty well in this game as well, and it just was like some of the shots just weren't going down, right? Like he was still taking the correct shot. You, I felt like he was in rhythm when he was taking shots. He was being the appropriate aggressiveness that he was. I'd rather – Jalen come out and and try to continue being aggressive in this game and miss shots than him being too passive and settling. And I'm cool with Jalen starting off like that. That's, that's all good with me. I also think that, uh, that uh, what's it called? Derek white stole the show. Derek white came in and absolutely played phenomenal in all aspects. I think the part that he played the best in people are going to talk about how he got going offensively in that first quarter. But his hands on defense and getting in and and causing strips was phenomenal in that first half. Oh, yeah. Derek White was great. You know, he was getting to the hoop. He made a jumper. You know, um, he was playing awesome defense, you know, moving the ball, keep doing the same things he does very well. He just keeps doing them well and then, you know, added a little bit of scoring. He had eight rebounds, eight defensive rebounds, helping clean up on the glass, limiting second-chance opportunities, six assists. Those 13, 14 points, you know, are big. If he's in that 13 to 15 point range, I think that does a lot for the Celtics, you know, just having another guy who's a threat to score in the double digits every night. Um, But no, Derek White played a terrific game. 
So people who are kind of going back on the Josh Richardson trade for one night, Pat, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll be quiet. But we know if Derek White has you know another game in single digits, people are going to be up in arms again. Which you know, to some reason, like to some degree, I understand why they're upset and why the trade looks bad. But I think Derek White does a lot of things on the basketball court better than Josh Richardson. You know, with the exception of shoot. Um, I would say that Derek White, you know, people like to say Josh Richardson is a better ball handler. I don't think he can run the pick and roll as well as Derek White. I don't think he's as good a passer. I think he's a little bigger, but I like Derek White's defense probably more, his point of attack defense a little bit more. Um, it's really just a shooting, and I think, you know, he's going to have to get that shooting right next season for the Celtics to fully, you know, unlock their true potential and probably make that trade worth it with those two first-round picks. Derek White's going to be able to have to knock down his threes to make that like a truly great trade for the Celtics. But regardless, I think our team is better now because of that trade. And uh, Derek White kind of proved why last night. Yeah. Congratulations to daddy white coming out here and, and having his dad game. Finally, he also was very excited to to go back and see his kid. And he's just like, just watching his kid sleep is dope. Also didn't even uh, notice this, but we didn't mention this last podcast that he named his son Hendrix, which also Robert Williams brought in a child this earlier this year, also named Hendrix. So Jimmy Hendrix, apparently a, a very popular name amongst the Celtics players as far as choosing for their kids. No, that's fire. Cause Jimmy Hendrix is an all time great musician. So uh, that's pretty cool, man. Cause I got their name in them after a future. Actually, you know, maybe Rob is, but uh, they're probably going after Jimmy Hendrix there, but congratulations to both of them. Listen, the Celtics have a lot of fathers on this team, and uh, you know the vibes are great. Honestly, you got Deuce in the locker room all the time. <laughs> I was about to go into the vibes, man, with Deuce as well. <laughs> you got Deuce in the locker room, even if he leaves Grant hanging. You know, you got Rob making hilarious TikToks with his baby, um, and you know Derek White is you know now a dad and is channeling his uh, Fred Van Fleet dad energy to have a terrific game four. So hopefully he can do the same thing here in Game Five. You better hope that Ramadan uh, Jalen doesn't have a kid because uh, if if so, then we're talking nuclear, nuclear. But no, yeah, this this game was kind of over quickly, right? Like we talk about how this game started on like an eighteen-one run, and Boston was just so locked in defensively, and their switching was perfect. Like there were some spots that they gave up because it looked like Corford and Robert Williams were in drop coverages pretty early on in this one. But the amount of space that the team had to work with was recovered so quickly that they were able to like end up recovering on those spots and not give up a very good look. Even if the space was there, it was there for very limited times. So I thought the Celtics did a really good job. Yeah, 100%. No, I agree. It was, uh, you know, you never like to say a game is over, like at any point until, you know, the clock hits 0.0, but. After the Celtics went up 18 to 1 and the Heat missed their first 14 shots of the game, I was pretty confident that the Celtics weren't going to relinquish control just because the intensity they came out with, contesting shots, not allowing the Heat to get any good looks. I honestly had to question if PJ Tucker, no offense to PJ Tucker, but at some point I was like, is PJ Tucker still playing? Like, did he go back to the locker room? Because he didn't make an impact at all offensively. Jimmy was 3 of 14. Lowry was almost a nothing. Like they just played terrific, terrific defense. And I think that the, not even having to think about the threat of Tyler Hero really paid off for, you know, the Celtics being able to shut down the Heat because not having to worry about him at all, having to worry about Oladipo, who, yes, finished, you know, the game with 16 points and made his first three shots. Like, yes, he scored a lot, but to me, he got all his points out of the way in like the first 10 minutes. 
with that he played, like with the free throws and with the free made shots. After that, he barely did anything else. So, you know, I think we I think we can all admit Tyler Hero is a much better scorer than Oladipo. So to have Oladipo out there instead of him really enabled the Celtics to lock in on these one on one matchups, not worry have to not worry about having to help all the time. Except on Bam. When yeah. Over, right? Speaking of Bam, I was actually going to jump into that. <clears throat> I thought we did a good job of responding and defending him in this game. And Rob Williams was a big key to that. But I also think Grant Williams did a really good job as well as Al when they got switched on him. They just made things really uncomfortable for him, right? And he kind of opened off this game and looked like he was going to be aggressive as he took a, a mid-range jumper and ends up breaking it. And he really – well, how much uh, – I pull up the box score, but I think he only finished with like four shots or six shots or something like that in the whole night. Um, so, again, the Celtics doing a good job of phasing out um, Bam out of bio, completely just taking him out of the game. Like, a, And with Jimmy Butler dealing with the knee soreness, it's kind of hard. He took five shots. He was three of five. <clears throat> so, with Jimmy Butler dealing with that knee issue, it's, it's hard to ask um, him to really do much. Also, like, it was crazy. Like, you look at this – this box score and you got zero points from PJ Tucker. You got six points from Butler, nine points from Bam and three points from Lowry and zero points from Struess. Like you're telling me that their starters combined for a total of 18 points. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy talk that to think that Victor Oladipo outscored the all, all the heat starters. That's how bad it was that night. So um, holding the heat to 82 points, Incredible job by the Celtics. Uh, give a lot of credit to the defense. Uh, also know that Miami's pretty banged up, man. Both teams are are kind of bruised up at this point. It's been a physical series. Celtics came from one physical series into a, an even more physical series again. And these teams seem like they're just trying to limp to the NBA Finals at this point. Uh, and I think the Celtics are doing a good job of just limiting the Heat stars at the moment. Because, I mean, if you have a big three of Butler, Bam, and Kyle Lowry, and they're going to only combine for 18 points, you're not going to win any games in the playoffs that way. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, those numbers that you read off from their starting lineup had, it's like actually kind of jarring to see how little they scored. Like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was I know. I didn't put it in perspective, so I'm like looking at it. (laughs) I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, oh, man. I watched the game twice, but I haven't really looked at the box score. So, you know, just hearing those numbers is kind of insane, but it's just indicative of how amazing, you know, the Celtics' defense was. It really was phenomenal. Every shot was contested. Like you said, they made Bam just uncomfortable all night. He couldn't get a single good shot off. Same thing with Jimmy, same thing with Kyle. You know, they definitely missed some open ones too, but that happens when you've been playing against absolutely stout defense for, you know, the past 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, and, and one thing, too, that I will say is, like, I don't think that the Celtics' offense has been particularly great throughout this process. But they have been good enough at times. It's it's more so as as long as this team and – and me and Lucas have already hit on this so many times. You're going to agree with me 100% right here. I already know you are. But what ends up happening is that this Celtics team succeeds based off of their turnovers. The way you beat the Celtics – is by hoping that they make enough mistakes. And that's dangerous, man. When you think about it in that perspective, like it's dangerous. This team has to kind of beat themselves in order for us to beat them and have a chance. No, I 100% agree, Pat. And that's why when, you know, somebody talking to somebody last night, they asked me, well, how do you feel about game five? And I kind of just shrugged. 
Like, obviously, I feel good to some degree because I've been saying I think the Celtics have the better half-court offense. I think that we have the better defense. I think we're a more talented team at the top. I think, you know, our one through eight is probably higher talent, even though Miami's rotation might go a couple guys more deep. I like our, you know, one through seven, one through eight. But the thing is, is that is that um, the Celtics have shown some, I don't want to say lots of inconsistency, but they've shown times where they have lapses, right? And they turn the ball over a lot. They maybe miss a few threes. They make some bad decisions, shot, like, you know, shot selection-wise. And then Miami really can capitalize on that being a great, great coach team, a very intense team, and a great defensive team. So they can capitalize on that. And like we said, Pat, you know, the first two games, oh, we won seven out of eight quarters. Well, we won one out of two games. So, you know, it's easy to say that quarter, that quarter argument, you know, but at the same time, when that one quarter, quarter and a half can cost you an entire game, it kind of makes me put my shoulders up. But I do feel re- I do feel good still. I do feel good. And I think I'll feel really good if we can go into Miami and pull off this winning game. Yeah, I mean, game five, uh, Jason Tatum said, even at the presser, he says, I want this team to treat game five as a, as a must win. And I think you need to do that because you ideally don't want to go back to Miami. Um, you Like if this goes to seven games, like you don't want to play game seven in Miami. I'm not saying that Miami is like a really hostile environment because I felt like their crowd hasn't been all that crazy to this point um, of the series. Um, but home court advantage is big for Boston in a sense. Like the crowd in Boston is huge. So if you can go in there with a 3-2 lead and a chance to close it out and reach the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010, like you're you're going to want to take that type of control and opportunity. So I think the Celtics need a, need to string together here some wins. Uh, it's going to be asking a lot to beat the Miami Heat three times in a row. But – you know, there was, I didn't believe we could beat the Bucks two times in a row, and, and I was proven wrong there. But I do think we're able to beat this this Miami team three times in a row. It's more so of uh, what do the Celtics, how do they come out? How relaxed are they? How how high is their intensity? And how well are they taking care of the basketball? Because those have been really just the question marks with this team throughout the, the postseason. It's never about, you know, is their defense legit? No, that's crossed off the board. Everybody knows this defense legit. Can their offense, you know, compete with other offenses? Yeah, we've already seen that. We can go, we can score 120 in a game. We can score 100 and get a victory because of our defense. So it's more so is how many times are we going to just stab ourselves throughout the battle and survive? You know, so I'm just really going to be paying attention to, especially if Marcus Smart's not available in game five, we got to make sure we could continue to take care of the basketball. 100%. You know, you got to limit those transition opportunities. You've got to take care of the ball. I said this is multiple podcasts. Treat it like your baby. You know, if you're throwing the ball away like you don't care about it, you know, you're going to throw away the game too. So got to take care of the ball. And, you know, like you said, Pat, it's not that Miami's crowd is necessarily like crazy or anything, but I do think the Celtics just, they play better at home. You know, role players play better at home. The crowd is behind you. Uh, the places rock and it can rattle the other team. You know, we're not going to have that luxury in game seven this series. Uh, that's why you fight for the one seed. That's exactly why Miami did what they did. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we can get this game five, you know, this winning game five. So, like you said, we can close things out in Boston and then, you know, hopefully make our way to the NBA finals. But the job is not done yet. 
and a lot still has to happen in order, uh, you know, for us to get there. So let's, and that starts with game five. So let's just hope the Celtics can take care of business. You know, personally, I think I, I'm, I'm leaning towards, I think they will. I think they will, uh, you know, take game five. But like I said, one quarter can really change everything. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, this series literally has been the deciding factor sometimes in one quarters of just being really, really bad. Um, and I, I do want to also touch on the fact that, you know, Marcus Smart and Robert Williams injuries uh, moving forward in the series are going to be crucial. You know, Marcus Smart dealing with a swollen ankle after a really hard foul, um, you know, coming down in that game three. And we thought he was going to probably miss the rest of the series with it, but he came back in that game somehow, willed his way onto that court and finished out the game like the the crazy man he is. I'm on a scale of one to ten, Lucas, I'm probably falling on on like a four of the worry scale. Uh, I don't know where you're kind of landing on that, but but a four seems kind of there, right? Because, I mean, an ankle injury like that, he's likely not going to be 100% the rest of the playoffs, even if we go to the finals. Smart's a warrior, man. Smart's an absolute warrior. And I think him coming back in game three proved how much – not that we needed proof, but that just showed again how much of a warrior he is. So, you know, you can only be a warrior through so much physical pain, though. Like like you said, man, a sprained ankle. You know, running back gets a high ankle sprain in the NFL. He's out four to six weeks. Now, I know that's a totally different sport, and it's not, you know, apples. And I'm not comparing apples to apples, right? Comparing apples to oranges, some might say. But that just goes to show that it's a, it, it's a relatively serious injury. People, you know, I don't know the grade of a sprain. I don't uh, you know, we don't know all the details. We just know that it's a foot sprain, right? But uh, I would say I'm probably a bit of a four five, and honestly, I would probably say I'm a little more worried about Rob, man. Yeah, that's because, what I was going to mention next. So go ahead and give us your one through ten scale on him. Oh, oh, so that first one was just for Marcus. Yeah, yeah, no, the first one was Marcus. Three or four for Marcus. So we're around the same. Out. We're about the four. It, and for uh, Rob, I would probably say six. Okay. Would would he just on quick on Marcus? Are we both at a four because we've seen him leave and not and miss again? I think that's what makes me more panicked about Marcus and putting him at four. I feel like I'd be at like a two if he was still playing. But I think with him, if he's not able to play, then then I think that's worrisome for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean I I definitely feel that maybe he just needed some rest to get the swelling down, just like in the Bucks series when he missed that one game and he came back and he played fine. So maybe, you know, we really shouldn't be that worried. But, you know, we'll de- I know that was a different injury, but we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll just see. We'll see how it plays out. But I would say I do feel a little bit worse because he's missing games. Now, I, I'm not honestly that hopeful about him playing in game five. Pat. I don't know about you. You know, obviously I'm not a doctor. So I have no idea, you know, medically if he should play or not. But I just I just don't know if he's going to be able to come back from a foot sprain after missing a game. You know, they might just sit him out again and then bring him back for hopefully game six where we're up 3-2. And not, not because, like, we're playing with our food or he could play, but it's just it's, – sometimes it's just more helpful to get those few extra days in there to, let you know, let the sprain get a, get a little more healed. But like I said, I'm not a doctor, so – Honestly, at this point, I'm not hopeful Marcus plays again, Pat. But you know, I don't know how do you, uh, do you think he's going to play Game Five? If you had to say a little day day early prediction, 
Uh, I I think he sits out. I think, and I hate to say this, but I think it's more likely that Hero plays for the Heat than Marcus Smart plays for the Celtics. Hundred percent agree. And I just I just think Marcus is swelling's hard, man. When you're messing with the foot area, somebody like it's it's hard to deal with. And for me, I think smart is wants to be on the court i think if it was his choice he'd be out there but i think that the Celtics as an organization are going to tell him like hey man let's wait another game and see where it's at from there and and we'll take it day by day and it's just also with how well Derek white played last game you got pritchard playing well it's he's in the position where it's like yeah he's he's important and we need him but at the same time like we're serviceable without him for now especially with how banged up the Heat are as well. So if Hero sits, then you 100%. I think you you just sit smart and just have him offset. Because at that point, I feel like that's a fair offset. Yeah, I'm with you. But on to Rob here. Scale uh, 1 to 10. I know you're a little higher. I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I'm at about a 6 here. You know. Yeah. I don't feel – I mean, listen – there's a reason why Rob fell in the draft. There's a reason why we were able to get Rob on a good contract. It's because he's suffered with injury history throughout his past. Now, do I think he can overcome that? No, yes, I do. I think Rob, you know, can get his body right, and maybe one day that's not an issue. But right now it is an issue, and, you know, he played well in this game, but he only played 20 minutes. You know, just like last game, and he looks a little bit uncomfortable there towards the end of games. I feel like he's probably just feeling that soreness. That's hopefully that's all that is. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to make any medical observations here. Um, but I am a little bit worried about Rob because on another thing is that he just changes our interior defense to just an entire different degree. Like he, we're talking about all NBA, all NBA defense player right here. You know, Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. I don't want to like sound like I'm selling his defense short. His versatility, his switchability, his on the ball, his Honestly, Frank, his rim protection a lot of the time, I feel like, is amazing from Smart, right? Especially in transition, Smart does a great job protecting the rim. But Rob, in the half-court setting, is just a different level of rim protection, you know, than, than obviously than what Smart, excuse me, offers. So I think that that's a really big deal. And I also think having Rob, you know, maybe for a future series, I want to get ahead of myself, and this series right here, he has a huge impact against Bam and then exploiting, you know, space in the paint against teams who don't have an elite big man. So, you know, I think that Rob worries me a little bit more because, like you said, Pat, we have a couple guards we can go to. Now, obviously, they're no smart. And uh, hopefully I'm not selling smart short because, you know, I'm a huge smart guy. But at least we can get we can bring in Derek White and Peyton Pritchard and like mush together their minutes to make up for smart, right? Now, with Robert Williams out, it's more Grant, which I like, but then it's also going to be more Tice. And it's going to be probably too big of a load for So that's why just structurally, Rob being out and potentially having injuries, you know, worries me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, my scale, my scale's bad, man. It's, I'm, I'm, I might be at a nine. And the reason is, is they talked about Robert Williams coming back. He came back early. He came back way early, like probably earlier than he needed to. And we probably didn't need him to come back that early. I understand they wanted to get him ready for the next series and stuff, but then he just, he keeps missing games coming in and and then playing. 
But this game, he played well. But it's also his body language was the worst as far as I've seen him in pain since he came back from this injury. And I just saw him move sometimes and get blown by later on the game. And that's why he only ended up playing like 18 minutes because you look at him and he's having issues with that knee. And the type of surgery he had as well, it's, it's, he happens so quick and everything. Like it's going to affect him long term. Like this is, that injury is going to affect him long term as well. Yeah, so I'm he's being a, listen, I just am not, I truthfully am not just comfortable making a statement like that, just me personally, because like I said, bro, I am not no medical professional. I do not know how this knee injury is going to affect him long term. Personally, for me, and that's why I'm probably more about a six, because you feel more confident to be able to say that, putting you at a nine. But for me, I just don't know, bro. I don't know about arthroscopic surgery. I don't know. Like, I've had it myself. That's my only experience. I don't know about it. So I don't know really how much it's going to affect Rob long term. Because, Pat, it felt like they said, like, when they was coming back from the surgery, it felt like the options were like, okay, you do the surgery now, and then you're going to be healthy again. Like, that's basically what the surgeon said. So, you know, I know resting him, like how much more that would have helped him, I'm not sure. You know, I definitely hear that argument maybe giving him, you know, a couple more weeks to rest potentially could have helped. But I just maybe that's probably why I'm at a six just to clear that up as opposed to something like a nine. It's because I don't feel comfortable saying like, oh, this is going to do this medically, this is going to do this. Because, bro, I'm not an expert, you know? No, absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not an expert either. But what I'm going to take into consideration why I might be so panicked is that it was a four to six week timetable for him to heal, right? He comes back in three and a half weeks. They say he's fine. Cool. Well, I'll take your word for it. But I'm a man where actions speak louder than words all the time. Seeing the things that I've seen so far since he's been back tells me he came back too early. Just off of my opinion. And I could be totally wrong. Doctor says, no, he didn't come back too early. Cool, doc, you're the doctor. But from what I'm seeing and seeing how quickly he's still having issues with it, it seems to me that he did come back too early. And on top of the fact that Robert Williams' injury history to this point also isn't great, concerns me. And then you put that all together here, and I'm watching him grimace with the type of injury he's he's playing with on in a sense, after such a short period of time of taking time off, it's scary for me in the short term and it's scary for me in the long term because of his injury history before it as well. So I'm just not comfortable seeing Robert Williams out there right now risking possibly like – I mean his health affects the championship window for the Celtics. It does. The Celtics are going to need him if they want to win a championship. They can they can get to the finals without him possibly – but to win the finals, they're going to need Robert Williams. If I don't know how many games he would be able to even play if, it, if we got there. And, and that scares me. So his overall health and everything like that, I think this offseason, once we get to this offseason, I just hope he hasn't re-injured it. I'm, I'm praying. Hold on. Does this make you feel better, Pat? Quote, obviously it's a great feeling being out there, being back with my guys. Quote, the knee feels great, feels good. Obviously, take a look at it tomorrow and see how it's feeling recovery-wise. Quote, coming out of this game, there are no doubts in my head. I feel good for game five. Said his game three absence was not a pain issue, but had to do with the soreness limiting what he could do on the floor. Listen, I know you said actions speak louder than words, and maybe you hold on to the grimace more than his words. But for me, I think it's probably just the soreness issue. He's just got to get himself right. You know, Maybe some rest would have helped, but I think 
you know, getting out there and active. As long as it's not actively making it worse, dude, I feel good. And if Rob feels good, then I feel good. But I 100% agree with the thing about the championship window. I mean, if he's not playing, he severely affects our championship window because, you know, then we're going to have Tice, who is under contract. So we're going to have Tice. You want to know what's funny, though, on those quotes real quick, is that I feel like Marcus Smart would say the same shit. <laughs> like, I just feel like that's the type of mindset him and Marcus Smart have is like, I'm good. I expect to play. And once quote, once you have an injury, it's rare that you feel no pain. I'm just reading if I'm limited to doing certain things. Yeah. I don't have limitations. So I'm with him, dude. Like, yeah, there's gonna be some pain. Yeah, but you know, it's just is it making it worse? Is it deteriorating? You know, listen. And you know, you're right. Maybe Rob is just saying uh you know all the right things, but listen, Rob feels like a guy who speaks from his chest and uh tells the truth about what he's saying. He doesn't really feel like a guy who's just gonna be like you know, dodging the truth. He feels like someone who is going to be authentic. Personally, that's my read on Rob, so I'm going to take it. Hey, man, I I want to believe Rob uh, as much as he's speaking, but I got to see it, man. That's all I'm saying. He was only available for 18 minutes, and he was grimacing, um, not even playing more than 20. It, it just – we're going back to the days where, like, he said he used to feel great all the time, but always couldn't play more than a certain amount of minutes, and – Brad Stevens is always kind of weary about talking about it and just saying, hey, man, we just want to make sure we keep him healthy throughout the year. It's been a concern throughout his career, and and that's more so why I'm so hesitant to just buy in on his words is because I have so much history with him already to this point that tell me I should be concerned otherwise. So that's why I'm where I'm at with Robert Williams. I do like – I hope that I'm 100% wrong in this area, and I hope that he is – getting to his hundred percent full healthy self. And this is just the working process of getting there. I, I really do. Yeah. Hopefully I, hopefully it's part of the process, you know, playing the 20 minutes, not over to do his overdoing his minute load. And hopefully he feels less and less sore every game. But like I said, with all that being said, with me defending him, whatever you want to say, I'm still at a six. So him being out still matters a lot to me. And uh, if he misses games, the Celtics are probably going to be in trouble. I mean, we saw Bam win for that crazy 30-point game. you got to have a guy inside who can protect the rim, um, you know, besides just Al Horford. So hopefully Rob is all good, but, you know, we shall see going forward because I think if he plays in game five, Pat, I think we win. I'll say my prediction right now. I think we win. I think we win 103-92. to 92. The Heat's offense can't do it. The Celtics offense is not humming or nothing, but we, we do enough to get it done. 103-92. to 92. That's fair. I mean, easily could have done that. Um, another thing I want to talk on is who I think was the second best player in this game and, and didn't get much credit for it, but Al Horford. Quiet offensive night in the sense he, he scored five points, right? Yeah, whatever, right? Three assists, didn't do much offensively in that sense. But Al Horford, one, sets incredible screens that – are totally just swept under the rug when you look at a game in a full sp- you know perspective sometimes. He was great on the boards. He had 11 rebound uh, uh 11 defensive rebounds, 12 offensive for 13 on the night. But he had four blocks and even when he wasn't blocking shots, he was in good position defensively and was always there on switches and helped so crisp. He was so good. Um when I was watching the film I was like, "Man, Al Horford's moving out around out there." better than than some of the younger guys on the roster, which is just wild. And he also played the third most minutes behind Derek White and Jason Tatum. Like he he played 33 minutes. He he did really good. 
um, doing as much as he can. Sorry, fourth fourth most minutes. Uh, Grant did end up playing 37. He actually had the second most well. Uh, Grant Williams, 37 minutes wild. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see Al Horford um, not even getting as much love as I think he deserved. He also had that really cool block. I don't know. We talked about it when it happened. Uh, was the smacking it and then looking out of bounds and putting his hand, head up and like looking for it. That was just absolutely hilarious. Uh, he was totally locked in, man. Uh, Al Horford is is hungry. He looks like a guy who is very, very hungry in getting to the NBA Finals. 100%. Not only is he chasing this for his legacy, you know, for his team, and, you know, just for himself, he's chasing it for $26 million guaranteed next season. So, listen, there's a lot of reasons why Al Horford should want to get to the Finals. And, you know, I'm sure the team is the number one reason because Al Horford is a great team guy. But Al Horford has a lot of different factors that, you know, should make him want to get to the NBA Finals. And listen, people might complain, oh, no, we're paying Al Horford $26 million. Well, guess what? If he's good enough to get us to the Finals, he's worth $26 million in my book, Pat. And I also just agree with what you're saying, man. He played a terrific game, but because a lot of people are going to look at the box score and say he didn't score very much, they're going to think he didn't play too well. No, he was phenomenal on defense. He was great, setting screens as always, moving the ball, making the right play. You know, didn't even shoot a lot, but he shot one or two from three. You know, the threat of him being an offensive guy is great. You know, and create for others, man. I, I can't speak to how valuable Al Horford is for this team. And if we make it to the finals and we win the finals, give that run that man his money, Pat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Run that man his money and also like run it back if that ends up happening. So um, another guy I think we, we should touch on here as well is, is Grant Williams, who talked about who played 37 minutes, shot one of eight, one of five from deep. Not really good shooting night for him. But again, a guy who just affects things defensively and he doesn't even have any defensive stats, no blocks, no steals, nothing. Um, didn't turn over the ball ever, but he was really solid in this game at, at just defense, man, just locking up guys, rotating, and switching up. So I just wanted to make sure that we're giving guys like that their flowers because in games like this, like those little things they do end up for reasons for why you're able to blow out, right? We're talking about how we were watching this game, and, and there just was no option for Miami to even find a relatively okay shot. Like the Celtics were in rotation. They made sure that they were – in their spots and recovering well and quickly. And Grant Williams is a big key to that. There's a reason why Ime is trusting him to play 37 minutes, man. Derek White, 41. Grant Williams, 37. The next closest was Tatum at 34. So there, there's a lot of trust that Ime has in Grant Williams. And we, this goes back to the, before the season, man. Like we talked about Grant Williams was at, at a five, right? He talks to Ime, what do you want from me? Ime asked him to drop 15 pounds and be ready in that grant is somebody who i just see as as one of the most hardworking players on the team we see uh jason tatum stories all the time about after a win or a loss or any game they're in the back working out and who is one of those guys that's always with tatum working out it's it's grant you know and i see a group of different guys every time but grant is always a part of that group so he's just a hardworking individual and I hope he gets his extension as well in this offseason, which we'll talk about when we have to do podcasts in the offseason. But, man, Grant Williams, 
play great defense. His shot's going to come around, and I think he'll be he'll be a lot better next game on offensively. Yeah, agreed. I'm sure he probably will. But you know what's important for me with Grant is making the right play and playing good defense. And honestly, he did that tonight. You know, he didn't fill up the stat sheet with his points, but I think Grant played well. And like you said, probably bounced back in game five, you know, with a little bit of a better offensive performance. I think that's something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What else we got here to touch on? So he's going into probably game five. Um. What are some uh, of your top three things you're going to be looking for game five? We'll, we'll knock this one out because I think we both also have the same first one, turnovers, right? Take care of the basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, say, bro, a lot of things haven't really changed for me. Take care of the ball, limit offensive rebounds, and, you know, execute offensively, I would say, are my big three ones. I don't know. You probably have some other ones. Let's, let's, let's change it up then, right? Since ours are kind of the same, what are the three keys Miami needs to beat Boston? Miami needs to make shots. <laughs> Watch this. Thing. They need to force turnovers. They need to make sure the Southeast can't execute off. <laughs> get offensive rebounds. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I think that uh, one big key is seriously is Miami knocking down their open shots because the Celtics defense is so good. You know, of course, of course, there's like opportunities where Miami has to, you know to hit open shots. They have to capitalize on those um, for sure. And honestly, I, I was joking before, but they need to force turnovers. I think so. That's a huge one. That's how they're going to manage to win. And then uh, bring that same level of intensity, I would say, for Miami. Bring that same level of intensity they brought for the first half in game three. That's a big one. Wow. Because they cause, cause it was they almost did a 180. Like from three to game four, they came out intense as hell, you know, ready to make st- get stops, ready to dominate. In game, uh, in game three, and then in game four, they came out like they were going to just walk out. Well, I don't want to take too much away from them because it was the Celtics playing phenomenal defense, but they just didn't come out with the same intensity that they did in game three. So I think they need to get back to that. That's probably one one big key for them. But what, what do you think? I'm going to have some different keys here. Um, one of the keys is don't burn out. Uh, we saw the Milwaukee series, and I think the reason the Celtics were able to stretch all the way to seven and, and take out Milwaukee was they got worn out. You know, at the end of the day, the Celtics were able to be so good defensively. They eventually are able to wear out the Bucks. The Miami is, if they keep playing like this, man, it kind of looks like they're, they're getting a bit more worn out. They're not used to another team matching that intensity. And the Celtics team is, is here for it. Like they want that smoke. They want that intensity they're not going to end up wearing out because we, we already proved through the Bucs series. We can go seven games with it like this. Um, another one, we touched on this one prior to game four or no prior to game three. This is what Miami did that ended up taking that two, one lead. Bam has to be more aggressive. He just went back to being a shell. So I don't even care if they're defending you. Well, you need to take a minimum of 12 shots. Try to find some type of rhythm. Force force yourself to get to the line. There's no reason that you're telling me that I understand that Grant Williams is good uh, defensively. I know Al's good defensively, and I understand the ability that Robert Williams has to rim protect. But you're a bam at a bio. Like, you're literally supposed to be a better player than all those guys mentioned. Then go out there and, and get something. Don't become a shell of yourself. I think Miami needs him to be good. And my last one is, is probably going to be pretty obvious, but also it's – it needs to be talked about is, is Jimmy Butler's health. If Jimmy Butler is not out there 
playing. I don't think he has to be 100%, but he has to be like at least 80 to give you enough to get by the Celtics in a game. If you get an, an less than 80% healthy of Jimmy Butler, I'm sorry, but this, this series is over at that point. So you just need Jimmy Butler to health to stand and, and for him to be at least 80% of himself. Yeah, I think Jimmy's health is a huge factor there. Um, I think Bam should be more aggressive. It's just the, pay, the Celtics are making it hard on him, man. Like, you, there's a fine line between being aggressive and just being just starting to force shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a fine line between you know trying to get yours for your team and then just making the wrong play, attacking some good defense that is you know prepared to stop you. So, you know, I think Bam's got to find that good balance. Um, because he's got to score in order for them to win. So, you know, we'll see if that happens. But I like your keys, Pat, man. I, I think they're good. I, that's pretty hey, much all the keys, too. You guys already Damn got my minute. 103.92. Okay. Pat, what you got? You got 103.92 for the game? Boston? 103.92. I, so. I, got, I got Boston winning. I do got Boston winning. And I think it's going to be a 108-105 to 105 victory. And go down to the wire. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be an intense game. I, I really I think this is the the game where they both match each other's intensity. We just get good basketball throughout the game, and there'll be there'll be some runs of like eight zero runs, and then gets responded by a seven zero run, and it's it's going to be a I think I have a feeling for a really good game. I think we're going to get the this will be the the punch that sucks like the air out of some one of these teams. Like this is going to be a really tough game. This is a must win game for for both teams. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm thinking something similar would be a good game, but I think uh, a couple big shots late, maybe some free throws, are going to push that lead up. I don't know if the Celtics' offense will. I don't think it's going to be humming. You know, I think it's going to be similar to last night, except you know the Heat's defense steps up a little bit more. Maybe Celtics' offense struggles a little bit more, and the Celtics are able to pull away in the final, final five, seven minutes of the game. That's basically my prediction. But what do I know here? Hopefully, it ends in a Celtics win. I know that's what we all want, but you know. We can't have any lapses that cost us, you know, during, you know, a six, eight-minute stretch where we turn them all over ten times, Pat. So I think if we don't do that, I feel pretty good about our chances. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about the Celtics' chances as well. Make sure you guys head over to Spotify, leave that five-star rating at the show. You can also go to Apple Podcasts where you can leave five-star rating and write a review. Uh, follow Lucas on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer. You can also follow me at Ball and Opinions. Follow the show at Ethos Celtics. Just make sure you guys share share the love, man. Anybody you guys know who likes listening to the Celtics basketball, make sure you share the podcast with your friends and family and loved ones. We appreciate it very much for all the support as we do record here on the Spotify live app as well. You guys can always come and check it out and also hang out with us as well. Um, Lucas, what else would you like to add to the two wonderful people? No, pretty much uh, same thing. You know, shout out to everybody who listens to the show live, everybody who downloads the show. You know, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go check out sportsethos.com. Not just our show. They do a lot of fantasy shows, some betting shows, really great stuff over there. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Pat, I'm not going to get into details here, but I'm just going to say, you know, I'm praying for everybody who's affected by what happened today in Texas, man, um, at that elementary school. I don't mean to make it a damper, but this just shit is terrible, man. Things need to change in America, honestly, and uh, a shout-out to everyone who's affected by that, man. Yes, condolences to all the families and loved ones uh, 
and involved in that. Um, also make sure you guys uh, get back to us here. We are going to be recording after that game. We don't know if it's going to be the same day or the next day, but we will be recording. So make sure you guys look out for that. And thank you guys all for the support. We're out. Peace.